friends and family. Thank you guys so much for joining every day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, got another great interview today. I hope you guys are ready for this. He is an Army veteran. He served from 1998 to 2021. He started off as a fueler, ended his career as a recruiter. His name is Jeff Frazier. Let's go ahead and bring him on in. What's going on, Jeff? How you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. How you doing? Can't complain, man. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'd love to learn and uh, get to know Jeff Frazier, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, why, you know, what made you join the Army, what you did in the Army, and kind of what happened after you got out of the Army? All right. I will give you guys the nickel tour. So as you said, my name is Jeff Frazier. I was born and raised in Decatur, Illinois. Um, which is known for two things, soybean capital of the world, and it's the original home of the Chicago Bears. Um, but, yeah, I joined the Army in May, May of 1998. My, uh, my family, my dad and my uncles, all of them were in the military in one form or another. So my dad was a big guy. Uh, my dad was a little old. He was born in 1928, so he was in right post-World War II. But he was Army, wow. and then I had uh, an uncle, Clarence, who was in the Navy, and then my uncle Lyle was actually started in the army and was in to do the transition. So he joined the army and retired out of the air force. So it was the army air corps and, uh, and made that switch. So it was just natural for me to, uh, jump in and pick one. And since my dad was in the army, that's the way I decided to go. So. Nice. So, uh, what, uh, you ended up joining in 98, where did you go to boot camp? So, yeah, okay, I'll give you the rest of the, I'll give you the Army story. We did pre-Army, we'll do kind of during. Um, I sure. joined in 90, and uh, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia for basic training, and then I went to my job training, um, AIT in the Army, we call it Advanced Individual Training at Fort Lee, Virginia. For, at the time, it was 77 Fox, which is Petroleum Supply Specialist, and then it transitioned to 92 Fox um, while I was in. So I did that from 98 till 2011. And then, uh, you know, I got an, I got an email saying, hey, you want to go be a recruiter? And I said, no, not really. Um, they said, well, you're not going to get a choice. So I joined. I, uh, I started recruiting in 2011. I was a recruiter in Brandon, Florida, which is right outside of Tampa. And then I was a I decided to change over full time to do recruiting because they give you that option. So the next level up from that is a station commander. So you're basically running a running a recruiting station. It's so funny when you're, when you're on recruiting, it's a, it's a detailed recruiter and you're actually, you know, they say a recruiter, but then when you actually change your job, the, the job title is 79 Romeo recruiter, but you don't recruit anymore. You're running a recruiting station. So I ran a recruiting station in Miami, uh, North Miami beach. And then uh, I was the first sergeant and I ran a company in San Diego. So that's kind of the nickel tour. Uh, some highlights of my career uh, prior to recruiting. Um, Cobra Gold 99 I went to, which is in Thailand. That is good duty. It's awesome. If you guys ever get a chance, anybody who's thinking about joining or in, I definitely recommend hitting that up. I did a year in, uh, Hon well, six months in Honduras, um, which is interesting. We have a Based on our air base, which it's Joint Task Force Bravo. It's basically the closest thing we have to the Panama Canal. So they send us down there uh, for six months, uh, six month rotation. So you're TDY the whole time. So that's lovely. Uh, did a year in Korea um, in between those two. And then, uh, you know, when 03, when 
Iraqi freedom and when everything kicked off, I went to, uh, I did three tours in Iraq, a uh, six month, a 12 month and a 15 month. And then I did one in Afghanistan to close it out in 2011. And um, that's kind of the highlights. Wow. Nice, man. So um, being a recruiter, let's let's talk a little bit about yes. that and, and, and how okay. that all worked out. How long how long were you a recruiter now? So I was I was uh, from 2011, I'd say late 2011, which they send you to. It's called the ARC, the Army Recruiting Course. And it's about five or six weeks where they give you the, the basics of recruiting. So I recruited from 2011 till I retired. My retirement date's July 31st, 21. So I recruited, I, I, I basically served at all, at all levels there as a detailed recruiter. And then, as I said, I ran a recruiting station and then as a first sergeant. So it's, um, it's a challenging, it, it is a challenging job. Um, but I, I tell you what, it's the people, the people make it challenging, if, if that makes sense. The people that are joining or the 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 government people <laughs> a combination of both so in the issue with recruiting and i would say all military recruiting um just because i'm familiar with the other side too my wife is in the navy and she was a navy recruiter so i'm kind of familiar with with a variety of the sides but the issue we have and the military can say all they want is that it's not sales, but this is a sales job. You are selling, in my case, the army. You are selling the military. The problem with that is we are not commission based. You know, any you go to a you know a real estate agent or somebody buying a, a car or something, they are commission based. So you are incentivized yeah. financially to do your job. When you get a bunch of salary guys out there in an office together and 90% of them don't want to be there anyway. They want to be back in the operational army. It makes it a challenge. It is very challenging on, on that front, which is one of the reasons I, they call it converted or reclassed. I changed my job to be a recruiter. It's because it is a challenging job. It, it's extreme. It, it will test you um, mentally. Um, and then it's just that the leadership aspect of it is crucial, especially running a station to, to get these, to get these guys motivated to go out there, put their best foot forward and really sell the army and why people should join. And then you just take it the next level, you're a first sergeant. Um, and then that's kind of, you know, I had 71 NCOs, which that makes the higher echelons a challenge because you're not dealing with privates. There's no E1 to E4. Every recruiter out there is a sergeant or above. They are non-commissioned officers. And when you're dealing with 70 of them in a company, it's challenging. You know, you got to do evaluations on all of them and it's just getting that motivation piece through, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, did they have uh, quotas? I mean, I, I imagine they have quotas. Like kind of what was like your quotas and stuff like it was like a monthly thing that you guys had to meet or how did that all work out? Okay. So, so we, they don't call uh, they don't call it a quota. They call it a mission, right? You have a mission. So, a uh, prime example when I, and I'll give you a kind of a rundown of different locations so you can know. Um, when I was a detailed recruiter, I was in Brandon, Florida, in the Brandon Recruiting Station, and there was about 14 or 15 recruiters in there. And our monthly mission ranged from 12 to 20. Now, the way the Army does it, at the beginning of the year, we get our annual mission. 
Okay. So let's say, you know, like as a company, my mission was 650 active duty and 150 reserves. So we get missioned at the beginning of the year. Now they break that down into quarterly and monthly. And what they do is they like to front load the mission, meaning the first quarter is always going to be bigger than fourth quarter, you know, and they'll kind of go through the metrics on that to break it down. But basically your annual even flow is called your glide path. So you kind of want to stay on glide, but you will have a substantial, there will be a, a, a noticeable difference from your first quarter mission into your fourth quarter mission. And then the way the mission is broken down is, it's broken down by what you score on the test, the ASVAB, which is the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. It's the test you take to get in. So we are mandated by Congress that a certain percentage of people that join the military score a 50 or above, and we would call those alphas. So that's an A. You get an A and a B. A B is 31 to 49, alpha 50 and up. So the way we are missioned is grad, so a high school graduate, with higher than 50 is a GA, okay, a grad alpha. And then a, a high school graduate that is 31 to 49 is a grad bravo. Then you have seniors. The Army's big push is to put seniors in from high school. And the reason it's there's a push for that is they've done all the research. They tend to do better. They tend to get in less trouble when they join at that younger age. So that is a coveted category there, a senior, which is an S, a senior alpha, so an essay. So a monthly mission for a normal recruiting station would probably consist of six GAs, and then maybe four essays, so senior alphas. And then you have another category, which would be called others. And we may be missioned for six or seven others, which is basically your grad bravos, your senior bravos, anybody that does not meet some educational requirement or, you know, that would fall into that others category to include prior service. If we had somebody that was a prior Navy or Marine and they wanted to join, we would, no matter what they scored on the test, we would get other credit for that. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how the, the, the missioning works. You can always exceed the mission, though. It's not like they're going to stop you, you know, if you're at right. 20 and they're like, you know, hey, I, they always want more, 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 because somebody is going to miss it. So that's well, in a you nutshell guys... how... Now, do you guys have a little bit of like a trick where you're like, you're kind of hitting over your, your, your mission. So you're like, oh, maybe we kind of save these two for next month or whatever, cause we're over. So we can kind of get, you know, our, uh, start hitting our next mission for the next month. Or do you guys just take them as you can, as soon as you can. I mean, we do that so much. We have a term for it. It's called sandbagging. So what you'll do is if you're having a good month and you hit your mission uh, and we've got some people ready to go, the uh, the recruiting the recruiting month for the Army is called a phase line. Okay? That's what we call it. They always begin on a Friday and they always end on a Thursday. And if you are in a company or a station or something that's doing really well, it's very coincidental that on the Friday, 
which is the first day of the phase line, they may have nothing for that Monday or Thursday, but they got five projections, which is what we call it when we send somebody down to the to, to join. They'll have five people on Friday, but they won't have nothing Monday through Thursday because they already made it. Or they made a tactical decision. Hey, I'm going to miss my mission anyway. I might as well just take this butt chewing and then let's start out the next month good. But yes, they do that monthly, quarterly. Every echelon does that monthly, quarterly, and annually. It's so bad, actually, at the company levels. So like as a company that normally at the end of the year, you know, our, our, the recruiting year ends on uh, one October is the beginning of the new year, right? So the recruiting year will end sometime the end of September in there on a Thursday. It's so bad that what they will do, the command, what they'll do is they will say, okay, for this two-week period, we're going to give you double credit for contracts, meaning we will count them for last year and this year because they know they know if a company is either doing really good or really bad, either they've already made it or they're going to miss it by a mile, they're going to make adjustments to put themselves on the best foot forward going into that next year. So, yes, that is that is prevalent. Now, do they give you guys any kind of bonuses or anything like that or or not? We don't know. We are not incentivized financially at all. At least when I was in, I know they're talking about bringing something back to paying for, you know, performance. But we were incentivized with, well, there's different forms of incentivation. I don't know. I don't think it's a word, but to, uh, different forms to incentivize people. They have formal awards like the command. Um, you know, they'll give you station of the station of the month, station of the quarter, company, blah, blah, recruiter, whatever. So they formally, you know, acknowledge you at that point. Um, but that's on the leaders on the actual recruiting stations. So an example of how I would incentivize recruiters is if I'm a station commander and I got a hard charger that is putting in two or three a month, I really don't care when that guy comes to work or if he comes to work as long as he's checking in with me because the number one thing I can incentivize them with is time. I can give them the, their right. time and I can let them make their own. If you're producing, I'm not going to detract you. Now that causes some bad blood with other recruiters, but I mean, at the end of the day, Hey, if, if you do what this NCO does, you can have the same thing. If he's going to write three a month and you're going to write zero, you know, you're not going to get treated the same. You're going to get treated fair but fair and equal are two different things, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, after, uh, do you got any good recruiting stories, though? I mean, there's got to be some kind of oh. good stories of some <laughs> recruits or something. Yeah, I mean, God, there's so many. Well, I've got some sad stories. Um, there is some pretty sad stories. When I was in Miami, where they commander as a station commander i mean a lot of these young kids they don't really go to the doctor how they should be you know what i'm saying so the way they they we've got a couple people test hiv positive that had no idea that they call us and we we know we know and we have to take them to EPS, which is military interest processing station that's where everybody joins like we take them there for them to get that news and then we are taking them home so it is um it's crazy i mean we've had i've had people that uh they get a drug and alcohol test at meps i've had people 
test positive for cocaine going into MEPS. I've had people drunk going into MEPS. I mean, you name it, we've had it. You name it, we have had it. People, uh, you know, when we, we not only do the enlistment portion, but when they go to ship out, we take them, they go back through the physical to go get looked at. And then, you know, MEPS takes it from there. They give them a plane ticket and they send them on their way to the airplane. We've had people drop them off at MEPS. And then I'm getting a phone call at six o'clock in the morning. Where are they at? They, uh, they left, they call it eloped. They eloped from the hotel. Like they left. So wow. we've had people get all the way to the airport and then leave. They changed their mind, man. Get that cold feet, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it there's, it's every day. They, I'm not going to say this is a good thing about recruiting, but this there's, you never go through the exact same scenario twice because you're dealing with people. So everyone is just, uh, just a little bit different. You know, we've had females that were, that go down to MEPS and find out they're pregnant. And then, you know, some are elated and some are just absolutely destroyed. So it's, it's never the same thing twice, but on the good, there is, there's way more pluses than minuses because we, you know, in Miami, you know, we were a lot of impoverished communities down there, you know, and putting young men and women in, in the military and have them totally changing their lives is an amazing thing. Um, and then not only that, but in Tampa, Florida and Brandon, we would, we were, we would deal with, you know, the higher, the higher uh, income communities. And then, then you're dealing with parents case in point, we put in a young man, who wanted to join the army. He wanted to go be an army ranger. Um, he had a full ride scholarship to college to play some sport. And um, his, uh, we had, no, I had no idea that this kid had any of that stuff. Right. So we had him bring his parents in to talk to us. So the mom and dad come in and I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Sergeant Frazier. You know what I'm saying? Nice to meet you. And that just went in on me, like just out of the blue. I had no clue what was going to happen. He's like, you know, he was like, uh, what, what, what would you do if, if you had a kid that was going to give away a full ride scholarship? That's pretty stupid, isn't it? And just, you yeah. know, so you just never know what get coming. You never know what's going to happen or what comes in that door. Hey man, that guy could have uh, went to West Point or something though and played. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, he yeah. was a, yeah, he was a high school senior. Um, so, you know, that, that, I don't know if he was, you know, qualified on that level, but you don't, as a senior, you know, his mom and dad are clearly thinking one thing and we're thinking another. So now it is what uh, it is. As recruiters, do you guys only deal with the enlisted side, not the officer side? How does the officer side actually work and stuff like that? It is yeah. after they so, go to school they they seek recruiters out or is there a different uh, process if you're going to be an officer yes we do ocs so we do ocs recruiting if they come in with a bachelor's degree that is a requirement anybody that comes in with a bachelor's degree we have to pitch ocs to them now that is a much more extensive process they have to go you know they go through the the, the test the, the medical stuff but once they get physically qualified and test qualified we put together the packet once we put that together, that gets it. These things change throughout the years and things. So what I'm giving you now may not be the process now, but years right. to be, they would go to 
battalion board. Okay, so they would sit a, a lieutenant colonel, and then there would be a minimum of three officers on there, and they would go through a board process and get evaluated. If they were approved, you know, and selected, then they would commission, would sit down, they would join and go that way. And, you know, but it's, it's sometimes that goes all the way up to our highest command, which is USAREC dependent on how many officers they need but the officer side is a joint mission we do the ocs we facilitate that in conjunction with that you also have the green to gold and then the rotc in the colleges so we we all share in that mission if that makes sense but yes we do we do officers now we don't do medical officers all right the army has an within usarec which is united states army recruiting command they have an entire program called AMEG, which is the medical recruiters. They are all over the United States. Our need is so big that they decided to create basically an entire separate command that all they do is find medical officers. And that can take a year, two years to put one of those in. I'm not really familiar on that side of the program, but yes, it is, it is, that is an entirely separate command it's pretty interesting actually yeah my gosh um so let me uh ask you uh now when it came to you know having these guys come in and stuff like that now is there guys that you like pretty much tell them like i you're not going to make it right off rip or mean is there or do you kind of like entertain everybody i know with the army too um you you don't have to have a diploma, right? You can have a GED. Is that correct? Yes. I know in Let the Marine me, Corps, you, you yes. cannot, I know me, you cannot have a GED. So let me go into that. Let me preface this conversation by saying we have something in USAREC that we have our, our doctrine, right? We have our regulations and we have our, our, our manuals. Okay. So, a regulation and a manual are two different things, okay? So a regulation tells you what you can and can't do. It tells you what you're going to get in trouble for, and a, and, a, and a manual tells you how to, all right? So the difference is regulations are punitive in nature, all right? Now, the problem in USAREC is we have these wonderful things called USAREC messages, and they will post a 100 of these messages a year, and what they do is change the rules, meaning what's allowed in and what's not. So today a GED could join, tomorrow maybe not. But to get into the, the GED, yes, we will take a GED if they score a, a higher than a 50 on the test. So they have a GED and they score higher than a 50, they're good to go. Now, for what you said, and the GEDs tend to do better on the ASVAB, because if they have a GED, what's a GED do? It's a test, right? right so they're yeah. test prepping to get the GED, so they tend to do better on the test. Now, to answer your question, do we ever have someone come in and say, oh, you ain't going to make it? We cannot do that. We are not allowed to do that. If somebody is physically, mentally, morally, if they are qualified to join, it, it, I, it is not, that's not on me. I, I, process qualified people regardless of what I think because at the end of the day what do I know you know what I'm saying what do I know if they're going to make it now I can have, have intuition I can help them when it 
when it comes to recommending jobs on what I think they should take. But at the end of the day, that's on them to choose. So no, we do not have the ability to say, hey, this person's not going to make it. You know, I can give recommendations, but not to actually make the definitive to make the definitive call. Now, I'll tell you this, the Marine Corps operates slightly different in that because in the Army, when they join, we get credit for that contract, right? So like our mission, the day they join, we get credit for that, for them joining. That goes towards that month. The Marine Corps is a little different. The Marines don't get credit until they graduate training, if that makes sense. So they are right. a little bit more... They are, if they come in with somebody that's not going to make it, they will do a little bit more thorough evaluation. There'll be more hoops to jump through because it's not in their interest to send somebody that they know is not going to make it. And then at the end of the day, that's kind of a bad look on them to, to, to do that. Send but we, bat, yeah. we do not have that luxury. Yeah. We do not have that luxury in the army because we are, we are the biggest branch. I mean, we are 550,000 strong with an attrition rate. I don't even know what the attrition rate is like yearly, like people getting out. But I mean, our, our average mission is between 60 and 80,000 a year. That is a big number wow. considering there's only yeah. about 1200 recruiting stations in the army. Um, you know, that is a big number. So we, we just, we need more bodies. Yep. Uh, you, you, t you kind of touched on changing requirements. Now let's kind of, let's dive a little bit more into that. Now, do you, through the years of being a recruiter, have you seen them lower standards, raise standards, keep standards the same? I mean, or does it change year to year? I mean, based on if they're not getting enough numbers, do they start lowering standards to get more numbers or how does all that whole thing work? I would, the best way I can describe the army is a very large organization and it does not change quickly and it cannot change quickly. And it is more reactive than proactive. But I will tell you, if you think about it, think about it like a slinky, right? A slinky opens up. Might've lost you there, brother. Uh, we lost Jeff for a second. Hopefully, we'll gain him back. He might have lost a little bit of some connection. He's on his cell phone, so let's hope he comes back on. All right. If not, we might have to uh, resume this shortly. Let's see. I'm going to take him off for a second, give him a second to come back on. Hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. Sorry, guys, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, we'll get him back on. Am I back? All right. He's back. All, All right. right. Sorry, man. All right, I we lost you. So let me, where'd good. I leave off? Where We're talking you, about slinkies. You... We're talking about slinky. Okay. Slinky I won't, effect. All right. The slinky effect. Yes. So this will change in regards to the test, to the type, like a GED or something like that. But the medical standards, they are not going to change, and the law violation standards do not change and this is a huge problem because any type of drug charge any type of drug charge basically regardless of of disposition disqualifies you from military service now from the army let me not say military from the army so let me give you an example if you have an 18 year old young man who gets caught 
smoking a joint in Denver, Colorado, they may give them a civil citation, no arrest, nothing. They just gave them a citation. They're disqualified from joining the military from the, I'm sorry, let me not say military. They're disqualified regardless. So there is some things that definitely need to change, but I would say from today, looking at when I joined the standards are tighter. I mean, they're tightening and not, this is not the army. Uh, th- uh, an issue that we have in the army is our image, right? People think of the 60s and 70s, you know, like, oh, people don't have any other options. They're going to join us yet. That is entirely not the case. And if I will just do a little plug for the army here, out of all high school graduates, people in the army or the military in general are in the top 25% of earners in the country and college graduates military members are in the top 25% of earnings. So it is, it is not, it is not your granddaddy's army anymore. We are an extremely competitive workforce. So, but yeah, as far as standards changing, no, I would say the people joining today are infinitely more qualified than a mem- just the general member of the public. That's good. That's good to hear, man. I mean, uh, cause you know, there's a lot of, uh, Rumor, rumor mills going on, especially in the veteran community, uh, especially some of the old timers. They're always, you know, talking about how how lax the the military is today, and the standards are lowering, and they're not the same fighting force, and all this stuff that you constantly hear. But you know, uh, starting on this podcast and doing this podcast and and having interviews, I actually have a, a, a interview with a, a, a Marine veteran who works in the Junior ROTC. And he's the same thing, man. He's just, he's, you know, raving about the kids today and saying there's a big misconception about these children today and, and about them being, you know, lazy and all this stuff. And uh, he said, I, 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 I work with these kids every day and I'm here to tell you, you know, these kids are a lot smarter than a lot of us were back in the day due to technology and the things that they, they have access to that we didn't. Yeah. The, the challenges for us come in, I would say, um, the extremes, okay, are getting wider. And when I say extremes, right. I mean yeah. the really smart kids. Part. You've got a higher, yep, and then the bottom. But the main issue, the main issue we run into in in qualifying people for the military, and this is a trend, is weight standards. I mean, you have to meet the height and weight standards prior to joining. And kids these days just aren't getting as much exercise, and they're bigger. But then you have on the extremes, I mean, when you look at athletes, they're doing more better things now than they ever have. So that's why I say at the extremes. But I I will tell you uh, about I don't don't quote me on this number, but there's out of the entire population of America, 330 some million. I think about less about three percent are qualified for military service, meaning holistically, right? Because 35 is the cutoff. So take everybody out there. You got to pass height and weight. You got to meet the physical requirements and you got to meet the mental requirements. So we have a very small pool that we are, we are fishing in to begin with. So it's a challenge. Yeah. Especially with the way, uh, you know, food is and stuff this day and age, all the additives and the stuff that's in them. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot more diabetic, folks and stuff like that because of all the sugars in our food so i do imagine that that is a big big concern um so i guess in the army you guys make them have 
to uh, uh, reach their weight and height standard before they actually join. Because in the Marine Corps, and, I, and, and this is only when I joined back in 2000, um, they let me they let me join, and I guess I wasn't exactly to their height and weight standards. So what they did is made me a diet recruit. And so I got fucking, you know, told what I could and couldn't eat at the end of my, you know, when I was done eating. And so they gave me the opportunity to go there now. And if you were struggling and, and you couldn't and you weren't making the weights and, and, and you were having issues doing push-ups, pull-ups or something like that, they'd send you to a whole other platoon, which was called yeah. PCP, which was like a physical conditioning uh, platoon or something like that, where they just basically get them guys in shape and ready to go. So I guess um, in the army, you guys are a little bit stricter on that part, and you make them already have to be at the weight and height, or can they be within a certain range? And you're like, well, boot camp, they're going to end up losing like ten pounds, probably. So again, going with again with the different ways that the branch, and I'm just speculating here, but that makes sense sure. to me on the Marine Corps side because again. They don't get credit for that contract until the end. So by the end, you had to meet the requirements. So the Marines, being a smaller force with a smaller mission, they can take a more holistic view. Um, like one, one individual Marine is carries more weight, I guess you'd say, because you have... Um, a smaller force. So percentage wise, one person is bigger. You know, it probably counts for a bigger sure. percentage. Whereas in the army, we know we have to make sure that they meet the requirements prior to them leaving. So I would imagine that is the main difference with the Marine Corps, because you, it's just a more holistic approach. Like the army is just too, too big of a, of a, um, of an organization to just, it, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it would be very difficult. Yeah, yeah I bet. Now, um, after you got done with uh, recruiting, I mean, so you did recruiting pretty much for the last whole part of your whole career, right? I mean, you were in, embedded yeah. in the the whole. So how many years was it in total that you actually re re did recruiting? Just over 10. Wow. Just wow. over ten. Yeah. Wow. So, so you yeah, got to yeah. you got just, to just, learn a lot about everything, and and I'm sure, you know, being a recruiter, you learn a lot about not just, you know, you learn lots of levels of the government and everything else. I'm sure, um, I'm sure you kind of get privy to a little bit of some background information that a lot of us don't uh, are privy to. I, I would just say, I wouldn't say it's, in, I would say it's more um, on a marketing side and more of a, uh, a research side and just. Oh, we lost him again, guys. I think he's on his cell phone, so he might be having some technical, uh, technical difficulties. So hopefully we'll bring him back. Um, so sorry about that, guys. But uh, hopefully we'll give him a little bit of some time. Uh, good time to say, I hope everybody out there is having a great day so far. If you're not, man, make it better. You know, uh, there's always a number out there. You can call 988 and you press one. If you're uh, struggling with any kind of mental health issues or anything like that. All right. looks like he's back on. We'll go ahead and bring him back in.
Yeah, I, I don't know why it just kicked me out, man. It, gets, it sent me a message saying that my storage was full. Of my, you can edit this out, right? Yeah, it's all good. I mean, it, it, I usually just kind of roll with it. So uh, it it's all good, man. Once you start editing it, it gets really choppy. So I kind of just roll with it. So when you when you jumped off, I just kind of talked a little bit more. <laughs> okay. So, so it's all good. We'll go right me, back. I'll go right back in on the different focuses. Okay. So that I would say each sure. a, a detailed recruiter has a different focus than a station commander, which has a different focus. You, you know what I'm saying? Than a first, than, than a first sergeant, but yes, you learn. That's the one thing I wish in recruiting that would improve. And it's, it's, I say communication, that's blah, blah, you know, the communication, of course, everybody can communicate better, but I mean, just, I wish I could pass the knowledge and understanding and experience down as running a company to the recruiter to give them the why. As a, as a station commander and a first sergeant, I was a big believer in, let me tell these people why. This is why you were doing this. You may not see it. You may not think this is going to come to fruition, but it will if you would just trust me and trust the process to show you kind of the why behind it. That That's the big thing. So I wouldn't say I'm more privy to any inf more information than someone in the public would be other than kind of how we go about things and do things. But that just comes from experience of doing it and, and the knowledge and, and just how deep into the weeds you get on doing market analysis and then kind of how we are missioned, you know, because we take into account, you, I mean, we dissect zip codes, right? Recruiting station boundaries are, are by zip codes. You will have assigned zip codes. You will have assigned schools. I have historic information of how many contracts said school has produced, how many the zip code has produced, and where's the hotspots in those zip codes to go to and things of that nature. And then it just increases. That's a recruiting station. Then you have a company. And you have a battalion and a brigade and so on and so forth. So it's really, it's, it's really just getting into the weeds and dissecting that information and the how to on the marketing side, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, it does. Um, so let me, uh, let's go ahead and switch it up now. Now, when you got out of the mm -hmm. army, what did you do, man? I mean, it, it, you, you retired, uh, you know, are you just enjoying retirement? Did you, what what did you do with yourself? Or what are you so, doing with yourself? <laughs> yeah, so I'll, so I'll kind of get into that. Like I, so I am a small business owner. I own a, uh, an apparel company. I own Apex Predator Outfitters. Um, and that has been an, an evolution in and of itself. I had an idea when I retired that this was something I wanted to do. And, and I'll tell you why. I would, um, I had an extremely difficult time finding t-shirts that I liked, all right? And and when I say that I liked, I meant that look good and that fit well. And this was just for before I even had the business. This is a couple of years before I retired. My issue was, I'm not going to put any company names out there, but I would, I, I'm, I, I'm a big sports fan and I would order t-shirts and they would be just terrible. They wouldn't fit right. And then I would wash them a couple times. The designs would fade. And I was like, man, this is terrible. But the main thing I wanted was a, the fit. So I went on a, a mission in life. I was like, there's got to be a, a better way to find a shirt. You know what I'm saying? That is just comfortable and fits right because I'm tired of spending this money and it's not working. So what I did was I, I started doing research on 
on blank t-shirts. And I got on a couple of websites and I, I ended up, I went through no less than 50 blank t-shirts to find one that I was like, okay, dude, this is good. I mean, I, I, I ordered them. 40 of them I could just cast aside right then. I'm like, they don't feel good. They don't fit right. Then when I wash them, they shrink. And then, I, you know, I was kind of down to 10. And then I then I decided on the one. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to wear. Well, I was just wearing blank T-shirts around. And I'm like, man, I kind of like to put something on it. And I'm not a big fan of, it, like, extensive, colorful designs. I personally don't like the front left chest thing and then something on the back of the shirt. I kind of like it on the front of the shirt. So again, this was before the, 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 the business side even. So I was just doing research on, okay, how can I put something on this shirt myself? So I went down the, the avenue of, um, you know, the press machine, you know what I'm saying? And then you get the stuff. You yeah, can I, order. Did, I did it. A, I did it transfer. myself. Yep. Yeah. So, well, after I went through that process for a while i said look this ain't gonna cut it because i couldn't get it where they'd come out right i'd wash them and it would fade and it was at that point i was watching a a documentary on this is i'm getting ready to retire i was watching a documentary on discovery channel or something and it was a show on apex predators and i said man that is a catchy name and i was like because i was thinking about it you know being in the military you know people think apex We lost him again, guys. Sorry about that. He is on his cell phone, so he's going to have some issues here and there, I think. Uh, We'll give him a couple seconds to come back in. And he's back. I don't know why. I I do not know why this keeps cutting out. But anyway, I know right Uh, where I left off. So I was was thinking Apex Predator top. Yeah, I was thinking Apex Predators top of the food chain. I said, I was like, man, that would be a um, that would be a very good name for a company because it kind of works on two levels. When you have, you know, they, you know, being in the military, you want to be the best, you want to excel at what you do, but it not only describes the mentality of the brand, but it's the people that are wearing the brand because it it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a, a cellist or you're a pianist. Or you're a whatever you do, you know, anybody worth their weight is going to want to be the best at what they do. So I figured it worked. Initially, the tagline of the company was going to be Apex Predator Outfitters made different or um, top of the food chain. But as as my wife saw that I was going through all of these things with the company, you know, like the T-shirts and trying to find everything to get it just right. And all of that, she was like, man, dude, these are, I made her a shirt. She was like, man, these are made different. And it just clicked in my head. I was like, you know what? That is going to be it. Apex Predator Outfitters made different. Then it not only spoke <laughs> to, not only spoke to the people wearing the shirts, but it spoke to the company too. Um, so that's kind of how it came to fruition. So I had the blank shirts, right? So we had that problem solved. Then I went into okay, how am I going to get designs on the shirts? I elected to go with screen printing, but not all screen printers are created equal and not all inks that go into the shirts are created equal too. So I live in Panama City, Florida. I went through all six. There are six screen printers in Panama City, Florida, and I went through all of them and I couldn't find one that, that was like what I wanted. But luckily, as I branched out a little bit, there's a place in Tallahassee, which is 100 miles up the road. I called. They went in. 
and and we did everything. So and and it just that's you know they 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 put together a really good product. So I when I talk about you know my brand and things, I don't I'll never use the term quality because what you think quality may not be what I think is quality. You know, right. like if you go to LA or them big t-shirts, that's quality to them. You know what I'm saying? You know, but to somebody else, that may not be quality. But I have the best for that I prefer. And, uh, you know, I've been in business almost a year, um, done hundreds of orders, have not had one return. Not not one person has returned a shirt saying, ah, I don't like it. So, so that's kind of, that that's good to me. That is great, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, customers are always picky and stuff like that. So it is a good thing when you're not hearing any negative feedback. And I mean, clothing's uh, tricky, no, man. Yeah. You know, I, I've done it too. I, I actually uh, went in business with my wife. We started making shirts. We made shoes. We got huge, man. But, you know, you catch these people like I, we have these customers. Customers like this one lady, she said she's allergic to women shirts. And I'm thinking, are women's shirts made differently than men's shirts? I mean, like different cloth or something? But, <laughs> I mean, you know, so you just got to entertain some of these crazy requests that come through, man. But it is kind of funny. And, I mean, people get really peculiar about their shirts. And, I mean, I, I kind of do, too. I don't like wearing those uh, really thick, you know, thick ones. I'm a bigger dude, so. I like to kind of keep it like light and, right. you know, where they can breathe a little bit and I'm not sweating my, my balls off, but I know, man, no, yeah, it is exactly. tricky well, hey, customers too. How long, you, so how long you guys been doing this now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been about a year. We're approaching, I'm approaching the first year. I think we opened the website launched June 18th of last year is sticking in my head um, that we launched. So, you know, we're, we're pushing our first year. We have some, uh, you know, we have some affiliate programs in place, like where I met you with Tackle 22 Fishing. I'm not going to give out anybody any any affiliate codes because I don't want to play favorites or anything. But kind sure. of my main, th my main thing to start this was to, I wanted to, you know, clearly I wanted to make a couple bucks, but that wasn't the main focus. The main focus was kind of get to, to give back on, you, you know, the charity. Gosh, we lost them again, guys. It's okay. It's right. We we just keep on rocking, man. Adapt and overcome. That's how we do. I uh, apologize though for the inconvenience, but uh, we're gonna keep on rolling. Yeah, we we're back. I don't know why. I don't know why it keeps cutting yep. out. But like it's I all said, good, man. I'll just keep keep rolling. My my main yep, thing was like do. kind of giving back. Yeah. Um. But in, in a way that I could give back to some organizations, because, you know, I'm, I'm retired. I'm 100% disabled. My wife's in the Navy. We're fine. But my goal is by the end of year two to have 10 charities to which we are donating all the funds to. Right now, we have a, a breast cancer awareness shirt that anything we make off that goes to breast cancer awareness. And then I just recently, I wanted a veterans charity that was next. So I partnered with tackle 22 fishing, um, which just, a, they, they want to stop veteran suicide by taking vets on fishing trips. Uh, and I thought that was an extremely, yeah. extremely unique. 
that was an extremely unique approach to that because you never know that phone call to go on a fishing trip that could really save somebody's life because you never know what someone is going through at any point in time. And I had fished a couple of their tournaments last year. And then I just, I decided to go all in with them. So we have a, a partnership shirt. They get the lion's share of that. The only thing I really get on that is just production costs so I can keep making it. Um, so I've teamed up with them. And then I have uh, a smaller affiliate deal with a local guy down here, a tournament director. His name's Chad Bailey. The Size Matters Fishing. I do a shirt with him. And then um, I have another one. You may have heard of this guy. He's big on social media. He's, uh, his, 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 uh, his name is Mandatory Fun Day. Hmm. Have you heard of him or seen him? I, I don't think so. No. But he's, he's an He's in, he's uh, he's got a big following, five or six hundred thousand. He's a active duty lieutenant, prior enlisted guy, and he is uh, he has a unique sense of humor where he makes light of things in the army. You know what I'm saying? Like he does little skits, yeah. um, and he's cool. a good dude. So we I have a affiliate deal with him, so it's just you know trying to grow, um, just trying to grow right now. But like I, I think our next charity is going to be all. I think uh, autism is going to be our next um, our next charity shirt coming out. But I got to get some sales so I can make some money so I can do the the giveaway stuff because it's you know you were in the business a little bit overhead costs high. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because absolutely, I, man. Uh, I have I run it. I the way I do inventory is I have a fulfillment center, so they do my printing, but they also ship it out. So when I'm ordering things you know i've got five thousand products in stock so i have to keep that you know they want their money up front so but it is what it is but i mean we're gonna keep on going and uh and see what happens well it's great man for for many reasons one it's a veteran-owned business and two you're you're bringing in other veterans and and you're kind of helping them out as well as it's like a big help out man i mean that's what i love about the veteran community um is is after we're all done with our you know our uh, contracts and stuff when we get out and we all start looking to do stuff and we start teaming up with other veterans some great things come out of it man i mean um that's one thing i've actually enjoyed about the social media platforms is, is reuniting and connecting with all the the veterans out there and, and 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 i mean my gosh these type of things it's free net it's free marketing it's you know and, and it, we're here we're helping each other out here you know i have you on the show we're gonna put your uh you know website out there i'm trying to get you know you you're on people that watch you they see me they're like oh that's a pretty cool little show so it's like a big you know overall helping and i love it man i mean anytime i come across yeah. veterans and they're all doing stuff and then we try to help each other out uh, great things come out of it. Yeah. And especially, you know, like to, to, to go back on the, um, you know, to tackle 22 pace, you know what I'm saying? Like that's an all volunteer thing. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're just volunteering. They go out. That's a nonprofit. Trips, you know, yeah. It's a nonprofit organization. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, what they're doing over there is something amazing. It's really cool. I've seen, um, them expand on there's, there's fishing now there's hunting, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's great things. A lot of veterans love to go out and do these things. And, and fishing is very therapeutic if you haven't really yeah. done it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, and then, you know, great. 
Yeah, well, you had mentioned the networking aspect, but the way I see it is, so, you know, we are both kind of affiliated with them. Now we're talking about that on this podcast. You know, somebody could be in a very bad dark spot right now watching this podcast and they, you know, tackle 22 and they go over there and check it out. They link up with them. Oh, what? So, so that's the, that's the beauty of it. Um, Cause at the end of it, it's all about, you know, helping other veterans out. So. Yeah. And the, and the more that we talk about these kind of things too, it, it brings awareness and, oh, oh, there's that out there. I could go fishing with veterans. Fucking that's cool as shit. You know what I mean? It, it, yep. The thing is, if we don't talk about stuff, we don't, uh, you know, highlight it. It's never going to be found out or never, uh, you know, people don't know. And there's a lot of times I find things out and it's been years and years. And I'm like, wow, that, I didn't even know that existed because someone just happened to say something. So, um, you know veterans out there you, you know don't be afraid to reach out and 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 talk to your buddies and and say hey man i heard of, there's this going on over here and stuff like that and it just things grow from there man i mean there's some really cool things i just talked to uh um uh, army veteran uh yesterday and uh, his name's sean they're doing a big convoy a 22 mile convoy at 22 miles per hour you know, from one city to another city, and then they're going to have a huge barbecue at the end. Those kind of things are really cool, man. And a lot of people don't realize those type of things are happening all over the states. You know, um, it's just, it's just, that's why I'm trying to, you know, I kind of started this podcast too, is to, to get these veterans, you know, word and what they're, they're doing out there, man. There's so many great stories there's so many great things that uh, that our veterans are doing, not just that they did it on the battlefield or while they were in uniform, but they're still continuing today to kind of, you know, lead lead the way and try to, you know, keep keep everybody sane. And it, it's it's really great, man. I love the community that uh, I've I have found on like TikTok and and some of those places. Well, not only that, you know, we can, you know, you, the dispelling rumors portion or to help people. So, for example, you know, I would I'm not toot my own horn, but I would consider myself a subject matter expert on recruiting for the Army. You know what I'm saying? So people right. listening to this pod, you know, my name is Jeff Frazier. It's right there. I'm on all the social medias. My company, Apex Predator Outfitters, I'm on all the social medias. If you're dealing with a recruiter for your kid and you have a question, you can reach out to me. And I will tell you if they're full of crap or not full of crap. Nine times out of 10, though, the information that recruiter is giving you, they are not full of crap. You just don't want to hear it. I mean, it's the, the, they, the recruiter cannot make someone right. qualified, qualified. They may know they're disqualified, but they may not be able to explain to you why. Just like if, if you were to, I've had multiple people come up to me that their kid got a ticket for a drug charge. And they don't understand that, look, dude, that is disqualifying. Or the other big one um, is, let's say you have a, a, a criminal charge, right? Let's say you have a criminal charge that you were charged with a felony, okay? And then you pleaded it down, the DA pleaded it down, right? And they, they knocked it down to a misdemeanor. Okay, cool. And you come into the recruiting office and say, hey, and I ask you, you ever been arrested or anything? Yeah, I was arrested for this, but, you know... I didn't get charged. I, I, I did this X, Y, Z. I did this program. So I've only got a misdemeanor. Hey guy, 
or gal, in the eyes of the army, if you took a deal, that means you said you did it and you were on the hook for that felony. You have a felony in the eyes of the army. And people don't seem to understand that. Oh, no, I don't. They said it was sealed. Blah, blah. Hey, guy, we're not the state. The state seals stuff. We are the federal government. We are going to run your prints through the FBI, and we are going to get that. Once you have that, I am sorry. If you took a deal, and maybe the Army's thinking on that is not correct when they say, oh, well, you pled guilty to something, so you must have done it. Maybe that's not accurate, or maybe that's not correct, or, or whatever, but that is the way it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Man, I mean... Is there, here's another thing. Is there, is there still like incentives, like cash incentives and stuff like that to, to, to sign up? Yes. So there is. Yeah. Yes. Is, is it just based on MOSs or something like that? It's based on a variety of things. So yes, yes and no. There are incentives, right? So let me give you an example because people come in. Oh, I want this job and I want a bonus. Okay. What job do you want? Oh, I want a helicopter mechanic. Hey, look, guy, I may not be able to get you a bonus with that job. The bonus is the job. But if you come in and say you want 13 Bravo or something, there may be some cash with that. Now, that being said, that's not all inclusive. Maybe that helicopter mechanic job does have a bonus. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's not. If the bonus is available, we are going to tell you about the bonus, okay? There is no incentive for the recruiter not to tell you or not to give it to you. There is no, it's not like they get a portion. If it's there, you get it. If it's not, you won't. But a lot of the bonuses are tagged to, I'm going to say a lot. Some of them are tagged to ship out date. They call it a quick ship bonus, okay? So if you can leave in the next two or three weeks, we'll give you this bonus. And the reason being is, Every job that the mil that the army anyway, we operate on the the it's called the Arfergen model, Army Force Generation, right? Most of these jobs, if not all of these jobs that we are, are are selecting for you, were bought and paid for and planned three years ago. Three, it's already paid for. So that means if this class starting May first has a hundred training seats available, and this was paid for, they're not going to lower that number if they've only got ninety. They're going to do a little quick math. Okay, dude, we need 10 more people. We've already paid $300,000 for this, so we're going to tag a bonus of $30,000 so we don't lose any more. Because if that class only has 90 people, it's still going to start at that time. That would mess everything up. So, yeah, that, so with bonuses, I don't know if they're still doing student loan repayment. Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but that is that is another option that, that'll come with the job. So bonuses are are... They're a thing, yes, but there's all different reasons for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, you throw a little bit of money at some kid around 18, 19 years old, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money for them at that time, man. So, I mean, no, that's true. But then always... I did... What's well, that? I was going to say, I, I, I've had people turn down $50,000 to take. Uh, to take a job. I've had people turn down yeah. a $50,000 enlistment bonus on this job to take this other job. So, you know, but that, that that's another I guess thing. Money I doesn't get into. always talk. No, that's true. Well, that's another thing I want to get into with the army. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about the other services. Um, but we are the, the only job that we are the only branch that you, 
you can pick your job and it will be in your contract. In your enlistment contract, it will tell you, you are going to do this job and that is huge. And the reason we're able to do that is because there's such a diversity of people and such a diversity of jobs. Now, the flip side of that is if you come in and I'm your recruiter and you're like, I want to join the army and I want to be a 68 whiskey, which is a medic, a combat medic. I can't give you something I don't have. If that job is not available, meaning all those training seats are filled, like for the foreseeable future, that job's not going to be available. So I can guarantee your job but I can't guarantee you what jobs will be available when it's that time. So people need to take that, you know, as well. You need to identify that. I cannot give you something I don't have. I wish I could, but I can't. But usually we get a pretty thorough list out there of what's all available. And then we can kind of help you do the research. And like you said, uh, you alluded to earlier, can you tell somebody they're not going to make it? No, but what I can do is I can evaluate someone and try to give them the best advice on which job I, I think they would excel at because I kind of, you know, know about the jobs, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what did you get being a recruiter? I did. I mean, it has its challenges and its ups and downs. It would depend. It is, it, it holistically depends on the individual and it, and when I say that, it's it's extremely challenging to be a good recruiter, okay? Um, you need to have that kind of gift of gab. You need to be able to think pretty quick on your feet. If you look, if you like to be challenged and you think of things as a challenge, then you will like recruiting because people always have reasons why they don't want to join or why they can't join. And it's just all about cracking that code to get them to join. I don't want to say that in a bad way, but it's like a game. You know what I mean? To get them to commit to joining the army. Right. So it it is a challenge because there is no ceiling. They always want more, 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 more. So you can, but it, it is, it is difficult to be a good recruiter. And I like to think I was a, a decent recruiter. Um, but yet yeah, if you, if you like that challenge of every, every day, it's something new, like it just, crazy things, wild things. Um, it, it, it'll keep you on your toes. If you like something different every day, it, it's, it's, it's a good job, but some people absolutely hate it. Yeah. Did you ever have any, uh, recruits or whatever, come back to you guys afterwards and like, thank you or say, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what did All you do? of the above. All of the above. We've had, well, we've had recruits, <laughs> you know, letters from basic training saying, hey, this sucks. What'd you get me into? Or, you know, they're in basic training. Hey, I love this. I mean, we have people come back, but when they come back, like for the hometown recruiting program, you know, they're, they're, you know, if I was your recruiter and I put you in and you thought you got a bad deal and you didn't like it and you come back a hometown recruiting, you know, you got to realize I'm a non-commissioned officer and you're a private, you know what I'm saying? There's not really, it's too late. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but that was a, I would say that yeah. was a rarity. That was a rarity. It was more, you know, it was more, Hey, this isn't so bad. I like, I still keep in contact um, with the first person I ever put in the army. His name's DJ. Um, the first, he's a Sergeant first class. Now he's an E7. Um, but the first person I put in, he's still, 
he bought a t-shirt off me a couple months ago. So. Oh, that's it's pretty cool, cool. man. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, let me ask you. So you, you uh, mentioned that the army, uh, you know, puts in the contract what their jobs are. So do you guys not do open contracts? No, there is the only the only thing that would look like an open contract in the army is we have a we have a program. God, it's been a while. Puerto Rico does this a lot. We have a program that is geared towards non-English speakers. Okay. So they score between a certain range on the ASVAB and then they take this test, the ECLT which is the English basically to see how well they understand it. They have to, they have to understand it within a range. Comprehend at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is they join and they go to, uh, I think out there in California, like to Monterey, they go out there um, and they go to school, like English school. Right. And then once they get done with that, they take the app again and then they get to choose their job from the list of what they qualify for. So that's really kind of the only, the only semblance we have of an open contract, but just for a normal person coming in off the street, you know, your job is going to be determined on your physical and mental capacity, right? You have to score a certain, you know, the jobs. So inside the, we have the ASVAB, which is the armed services vocational aptitude battery. So it's not a test. It's a series of tests. And within it, there's like seven different uh, scores, general technical, things like that. And you get scores in each of those. And the jobs will have certain qualifications within those scores. So it will pull it over so you qualify for this. Then it will look through your physical qualifications. For example, if you are red and green colorblind, you can't join the Army as infantry because our maps are red and green that would not serve you very well so there is some quirks you know if you want to be a crew chief on a helicopter you need to have a certain vision requirement so there's some little quirky things in there but all of that should be lined out before you go sign the contract so yeah you guys will uh, do waivers and stuff like that i mean do they have waivers where they'll allow them things to go through. So on the, so I know they do as that waivers sometimes. Well, so we wouldn't call, okay. So we don't, we wouldn't call that wouldn't be a, for us. That would not be a waiver. What we would do is we would submit what's called an ETP and ETP is an exception to policy. So if the policy says you need to have a 95 GM score for job XYZ and you have a 93, I would submit a, it's called a line point exception. I would request two points and an exception for you to get that job. Now, the likelihood of that getting approved or not, well, that's going to depend on, you know, how many training seats the Army's got. Do they need somebody in that job? Like, is that coming up? You know what I mean? Then you may be more favorable to get that exception. They may say, no, there is no exception. For example, like you want to go to be an, an infantry, like an airborne ranger, right? You need a 110 GT score. There is a very high likelihood that they are not going to entertain a GT point exception for to put you in that job because that is a high demand type thing. As far as when the waivers come in, the waivers come in more like, you know, we do have the medical waivers of all that could be for anything, you know, even a little that could be for anything. But the waivers 
when you when I hear waiver, I more think geared toward um, um, law violations. That's what I think. You know what I'm saying? Like, because even if you were to let's say right. you were walking down the street and you get and somebody got killed two miles away and they see you and they pick you up and they arrest you and take you downtown. But it turns out you're not the right person. Right. So you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time and they let you go. No charges. OK, you would still need what we call a suitability review that would still need to. It's basically a waiver. You know what I'm saying? So but they call it a suitability right. review. So there's, you know, a couple different aspects on the waiver side that can get, you know, a little challenging. But, you know, there is an exception to policy for a lot of things. You know, there's waivers for certain things, other things not. So, but that's kind of a little how that process works. And I tell you what, medical waivers take forever to come back. I'm talking months, like 30, 60 days to get a medical waiver back and like a moral waiver, you know, that could take, that could take a long time too. So it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. You're sitting there waiting for some doctor to review some paperwork and stuff like that. Like some busy doctor who's, you know, probably overbooked on appointments and here they are having to go through some paperwork. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we have, we, so, uh, we employ, well, we, just a real quick, we employ doctors at the use yeah. headquarters to go through those waivers, but just the sheer amount of them they get, is just when they get to them. And some of them may be 80, 90, a hundred pay. I've sent med reads, which is what we would call it. That like, if you have, if you tell me you have something physically wrong, I give the doctor a heads up. I submit it. They look at it. They say, yes, send them, or we need more documentation, or no, don't send them. But, I mean, some of those get 200 pages long. Wow. So, That's crazy. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, man, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. I don't know if there's anything that you want to say before we get off or any information you want to share. I want everybody to go and check out your uh your website, which is uh, apexpredators.com, and he's yep. on orders over $70. So go check that out, guys. Go order yourself a shirt. I saw there's hats, hoodies. Um, is that pretty much what you got, hats, hoodies, and yep. for uh, men, men and women? We we do have women's line, yep. Yep. Uh, what about children? Is it just uh, – or is this adults? Yeah, we got uh, got kids shirts. We got five shirts that are our, our best designs oh, that we in kids sizes. So yeah, we're expanding every day. So if you don't see something you like, come back okay. in a month or two, and we'll have what well, probably in the next forty five days. Our hat selection is going to go from four to about thirty. So that's in the works right now. We're we're still growing. Wow. Yeah. You're busy, huh? But I, you guys been, yeah, been I would pretty busy. Say, you got a. Uh, go ahead. No, sorry. You go ahead, man. I think we got. Oh, I was just going to you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I had a good time. You want me to come back oh, on? Yeah. Let me know. So that's all I would say. Absolutely, man. I'd love, I'd love to have you back on. Uh, I know I'm going to try to put together some kind of a veteran uh, show for Veterans Day. Um, definitely want to get a good, you know, range of all the different uh, branches and have like a big, big show and a big celebration on veterans day. I think it would be kind of fun. So, uh, stand by, yeah. maybe, uh, you'll be getting an invitation for that. And 
Um, if you can, just go ahead and uh, I'm going to send you back into the um, waiting room. And if you could just hold tight there, I'll be joining you shortly. But, hey, I, once again, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time. Uh, man, it's uh, been a pleasure. Me too. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, friends and fam, that wraps up another great interview. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. And, uh, hey, sometimes you go through a little bit of technical difficulties, but, hey, when you're in the military and the, from a Marine standpoint, you know, from a Marine uh, point of view, we adapt and we overcome. So I appreciate you guys all once again for tuning in and watching Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Take care.